Hello friends, welcome to episode 48 of Storyteller Conclaves. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? You know, uh, this week has been a little weird, but not bad. A little weird, but not bad. Not I think bad that's, at all. Yeah, that's... The weekend was good. Uh, it kind of stepped outside of my zone a little bit, having to do virtual gaming, but yeah. uh, it, I think it was really successful. Oh, we're going to come back to that. Okay. We're going to okay. come back to that. Okay. We're going to okay. do a few, uh, few news updates first. All though. right. All right. Where would you like to start? I don't know. Well, we've got, we've got, we've got a bit of news. We do. We have a new site, mm-hmm. um, which uh, is through uh, our, our new uh, distribution provider, uh, Brewberry, mm-hmm. um, or However you want to pronounce it. Blueberry. 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 Yeah. Uh, They're really wonderful people. Uh, In fact, they did our distribution before... And assistance with Podcast Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, but we're now just going direct to them, so it's a little bit easier for us to uh, manage the whole thing and just uh, handle it ourselves. Yeah. So, uh, but in the end, I think it's going to be really successful for us to um, do this uh, and, and be able to have that control, especially because we're recording privately now. Yeah. So, that, yeah. That, that's kind of a good thing. So. Uh, especially given given the current circumstances uh, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, you know, with, uh, lots of things being closed, including COVID Podcast Detroit. and everything so, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, so you can find that uh, at https colon slash slash storyteller dash conclave dot blueberry dot net and that's b l u b r r y correct. Um, and I put it also in our our, our Discord so people would see it there. Uh, it's also just, been tweeted out. It's on our Twitter yeah. feed now. So. Yeah, we really just uh, the only thing I'm going to say is make sure that you go there for episodes uh, for the next couple. Right now, <laughs> we're just waiting for our feed to switch from one service to the other. Uh, once that's done, everything should update. You should get all your feeds in. Uh, hopefully there won't be a problem with that. Everybody will just see things back to normal within a couple of days here. Yep. So you'll so. You'll, uh, you'll get the last the last episode that we did. Uh, the the one about uh, conventional gaming. Yeah. Um, contemporary. Is, uh, contemporary. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Contemporary gaming is, yep, yep. is up there, uh, and such like that. I know. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm not sure if it's hit our feed or not yet. Um, uh, it, it's so. actually up there already. I, I hit play on it earlier and it was there. Oh, okay, awesome. So it's just not on the uh, distribution feed yet. Right. Right. That's so. well. That's the yep. feed I was talking about. Yep, right. Yep. Yep. That hasn't hit yet. Okay. Uh, and then uh, hopefully we'll be able to have that flipped and all the other services should automatically flip with that mm-hmm. uh so we should see it on uh google play we should see it on itunes we should see it on spotify anyone else and everything will be back to normal for everybody yes back to normal and normalcy is what we need right now correct but uh for now we've got the live stream people can listen here they can go onto the site and play live there uh and just enjoy it yeah so. yeah and I've, I've, for those of you listening live right now mm-hmm. i want to give a big shout out to you hello thank you and welcome yeah um and uh for those of you who are not listening live you can find us on mix lr.com uh, slash storyteller dash conclave. Yeah, you can also go and uh, either view it through the website, which mm-hmm. is nice. Uh, if you don't, uh, if it's easier to stream there, put it on a speaker system and listen to it. Uh, or you can actually listen to it on your phone on either an Android or iTunes. Uh, yeah, we have links the... on our site, uh, but both of them are available within their uh, relevant rap, yeah, app stores. Pick up the MixLR app and it's pretty yeah. simple from there. So. Yeah, just search for storyteller. We're, we're right in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, just a last little note. I do want to give everybody a big thank you for your patience. Oh, very uh, while much While we so. do have everything switched over right now, I know that the, the episodes aren't coming out, uh, as, you know, regularly as, uh, as they previously were simply because we are in a sort of construction phase right now. Very much so. Hopefully it'll be over, uh, pretty soon and we'll all get back to normal and, uh, we'll be able to have your once a week podcasts delivered, uh, yeah. Fresh and hot. And then as time goes on, you may get other exciting tidbits out of this because we'll have a little extra time uh, and a little extra flexibility to be able to do things. Uh, yeah. We'll see where things lead from there. I know uh, a future goal is to get the live stream uh, directly onto our site. Uh, and that's something I did talk with the engineering staff at Blueberry about. And they said that is a thing that will be coming that we'll be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll be able to see the MixLR stream right within the link and be able to play directly off our site. Yeah. One-stop shop for, for Correct. basically Everything storyteller conclave would be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, before we get into our topic tonight, yes, uh, you you mentioned earlier that uh, you've oh. gotten a little bit out of your out of your comfort zone, a little out of your wheelhouse this last I weekend. I did, I did, I, I stepped hard. Uh, funny enough, the way this worked out was um, both uh, Sarah had been working with Sean uh, on doing virtual tabletop and sean had a successful game Mm -hmm. uh and sarah was like okay now that i have to completely switch gears i might need to put mine off and so we actually swapped weekends yeah which was supposed to be my game last weekend right right so we swapped weekends because i'm like mine's really gonna be more chatty and if it all fails we can just literally sit on discord and probably play my game with this fine yeah um but in the end it was i would have to say mildly to almost really successful 
thought um, it was really successful, yeah, honestly. I mean, from a DM's point of view, I would say I felt unprepared for a lot of things that mm-hmm. came up to it and uh there were definitely some things that i would teach out of it like learning lessons sure, learned sure. um i will say for the first thing ever the first lesson i learned in doing virtual table topping is keep a clock right <laughs> next to you and set a timer for every hour that you literally take a break every hour so you're cognizant that time is passing yeah yeah. It is so easy when you're locked into a screen that doesn't have a clock. I mean, this is no different than going into Guys, what a he's casino. dancing around here is he, we, we gamed for 11 hours. Yeah, it was 11. We gamed for 11 hours. And this is supposed to be like our, our like six-hour game. Yeah. It was... Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't 11 straight hours of gaming, but it was like six straight hours of gaming at one point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. In a but, row. But like at the same time, your players won't necessarily <laughs> tell you that they're not having a good time because they are. I mean, it was it was one of those things of like, like you have a really good pizza. Yeah. You know? You and just keep grabbing like all slices. the toppings on it. And it, it, like you, you take four slices and like after the third, you're kind of feeling full, but... But it's a really good pizza, mm-hmm. and you you did grab four slices, and it's already there. You might as well eat it. And you're like halfway through the slice, you're like, I made a mistake. Yep. My yep. my belly's gonna burst. But oh, this is a really good pizza. But oh, my belly's gonna burst. I kind of yeah. don't want this anymore. Yeah. That's where I was at. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so like, for it's me, D and D. I don't want to stop. But <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was the uh, recognizing that and being like, oh God, swamp swamp ass is a thing. Like you know. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't drank enough water, things like that. So, mm. uh, but uh, yeah, I think that was one thing that I definitely learned that uh, set a timer, give yeah. yourself like every hour, take a break, yeah. straight up, just take a break. Uh, let the people get up, stretch their legs, get off the screen for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other part of it was that I, I did remember the, if it isn't working, just scrap it, do something else. Yeah. And so I was able to do that pretty well, yeah. and we were able to move forward because I had I had this idea for a canyon map, and then it just did not work out like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so instead, I just grabbed all the assets and kind of built something haphazardly, which I think worked out really I mean, well. We're great. We're great. Um, yeah. You. Uh, so we're playing on uh, tabletop simulator, which I think is great. It's Twenty and, bucks uh, is easy. The, the, one of the cool things about it is that there are um, some animated assets that are like yes. free to download. Yes. And, so, um, with this makeshift canyon that he was talking about, uh, we go in there and he had dropped in some, uh, some fog clouds that were yes. all animated. And yes. so we're seeing these like elven ambushers that mm-hmm. are like in the mist and mm-hmm. we like even the miniatures, we could barely see the miniatures yeah. because they were in, in this the mist. Fog. Like I lost them at two points where I had to like relook for them. Uh, so zooming yeah. in your camera and just trying to search around for them. It was really cool. It was really cool. And then, like a lot of things that are difficult or time consuming or just flat up impossible with a uh with a conventional yeah you know tabletops and miniatures and terrain and stuff like that so. yeah but it, it really worked out well i think the dice rolling worked out well because people would choose between rolling physical dice they literally grabbed dice in the virtual environment and threw them uh-huh. or use the auto rollers which was nice yep just one but they, click and but they literally rolled dice anyways it was still physical dice being rolled yeah um but it was a nice little auto roll so that they didn't have to like oh i need two so here i'm just gonna click click and now i'm rolling dice right right um and just being able to see the minis and talk about you put out the maps and i think that was a huge change for me was being able to say oh here's this map and here's this map and they were things that i hadn't showed you guys Mm -hmm. um but were part of a previous thing so it was easy for you guys to point around on the maps and talk to each other about them yeah so i really liked that so but uh, I thought it was very successful, and so I, w- I would encourage other people who might be a little leery about it to definitely take a look at it. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of free uh, workshop stuff on Steam that you could pull down and load into it and literally have a full D&D setup that you didn't have to do any work on. Yeah, and, and there, there's also a lot of tor- uh, tutorials up on oh, YouTube. God, yeah. Um, of uh, people who do some really elaborate, intricate stuff with this, unbelievably, uh, so. setting up amazing-looking 3D tabletops that, mm-hmm. that are just uh, professional quality. Really. Oh yeah, they're unbelievable and um, really super easy to do. So uh, you know, if you're if you're up for putting a little time and effort into it, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we're we're two game sessions in my yeah. uh, Sean's game session now, yep. and in your own game session, and yours coming up, mine coming up. So three's I'm very charm. excited. We're I'm very, very excited. excited about using this. So yeah, um, it does have some in uh in unit voice chat 
um, that you can do in virtual tabletop, but we ended up using Discord. Yeah. Which I think was more successful. And the reason why it was more successful for me, actually, there's two things that I liked. Uh, and the separate, let me get that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the one thing I liked about Discord was the ability that people could mute themselves when they walked away. Yeah. Um, and that kind of gave you a sense of who was there and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I really liked was like right in the middle of the game, I'm, I look across the table while I'm sit- talking, you know, while I'm expositioning or describing things, and I see one of the players literally just playing with his dice. And that tells me he's there at his uh-huh. desk doing stuff. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I see, don't mind that. For me, that's the best thing as a player. Yeah. Because, okay, I, I need to fidget a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just be like laser locked on there not right, doing anything, right, right, right. you know, still for, th- for hours while listening sure. to him talk. So, like, I'm going to play with my dice. We all want to play with our dice. So right. what I found is, you know, because, because the dice are physical objects. Yeah. You could stack them. Oh, yes. And so Trevor was over there playing around, just rolling handfuls of dice, doing mm-hmm. whatever. I'm over there taking my D6 and my D8 and mm-hmm. alternating them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One mm-hmm. on top of the other. Oh, I made it five tall and now it fell over. Yep. You know? yep, yep. I, but I'd be doing that at your table anyways. Yeah. The other thing that you can do with it, which I think was a great thing, was people, like when something got killed you could actually flick the things off the table. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's a mechanic designed for doing things like um, pool and things like that, where you're flicking uh, a ball or, or nail and, you know, moving stuff around because it's, it's designed for other game styles. But just watching players be like, oh, he's dead? All right, goodbye! And just shoot him off the table mm-hmm. in some direction. Uh, that was fun. That was fun to watch. Uh, and uh, so instead, were... instead of a how do you want to do this, it's like which direction do you want to flick this? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> and so just it added that extra flavor to it. So I thought that was fun. It was great. So all right, well, good. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really pumped because I was kind of worried when everything started happening, and you know, social isolation, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing kind of mm-hmm. came down. I was like, oh, this is gonna like kill everything. But no. honestly, it's felt, it's felt like it's always, it like it always has. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It feels about 80% like a real table, you know, like, yeah. like an in-person tabletop session. And, and we're definitely getting, I would say, because we're more comfortable with it, we're getting back to normal. And I think that's, we're finding what the new normal is, and mm-hmm. we're creating those types of things. So it's it's not a disruption every day. And that's what we've been leading up to this. And I think that's part uh, part and parcel to getting a good groove for a game, is creating consistency. That's why I've always gone with the rule of three. Is that mm-hmm. once your three game sessions in, you've hit your groove. So that fourth session, it's now a campaign. Yep. Sorry, I don't care what you thought you were up to before, but now that you're four <laughs> games in, now if a new player now comes in, now you're committed. Different story. That yeah. that new player may throw out the entire groove. Uh huh. But you know, shoot for four, and if you get to four, you're in. It's in. This yeah. is happening now. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. All right. So do you want to get to the? Yeah. Today's topic. Got anything more to say about? Uh, no, gaming? no, I'm good. I'm All good. Right. If I do, I'll definitely throw it sometimes later. So, but uh, no, we could definitely step into this. I think it's good. That's All right. Good. So, do you want to talk, do 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 we want to talk about what we were going to do for today? Until monkey multiple monkey wrenches were thrown into the works. I don't know because part of it, like I want it to be a surprise. Okay. That's fair. All that's, right. That's valid. So, you so are valid. So there we go. April 1st, uh, April Fool is, we're not going to tell you what we were going to do for April <laughs> Fool's. <laughs> but in the spirit of April but Fool's But in the Day, spirit, we're going to actually do the episode that we were going to be recording anyways. We are going to talk about plot twists and red herrings. Yeah, because I think it's important. We don't talk about them. Yeah. Like, what makes a good plot twist? What actually is a red herring? And what's the difference? Because I think there are points where red herrings can become plot twists or get very close to it. I, but I, I think it's a semantic difference and an initiation difference. Yeah, I, I think I think a red herring is more of a tool. A plot twist is more of an event. So let's talk about red herrings first because I think that I was going to go real quick, but I think it should. I think it segues well into some plot twists. Just going to say that. Let's yeah, do we that. should really do red herrings first. All right, so for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, a red herring it's is... a bird. It's a red. It's got a white... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's a heron. First off, a herring is a is a fish. <laughs> I think you're thinking of a, uh, a a a red fish with a silver side. That's a red snapper. Right. No, 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 no. A red no, no, herring no. is herring is what your ears <laughs> do for right, you. Right. right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, a red a red herring is a uh, a, a superfluous, uh, ero- uh, a spurious fact. Yes. Um, it is a fact that exists. It mm-hmm. is a fact, but it has nothing to do with the topic at hand. Correct. And serves um, uh, to distract from the point at hand. It could be an object. It could it, be. It could, it could be an object. It could well, be a. It, it could be any number of things. But it, regardless, it is a detail that is fact. Right. It is. It is. It is a thing that exists, but it distracts from the the actual 
topic at hand. Yeah. So the the example we discussed earlier. Sure, I like your example. Um, the party is investigating ghosts that are haunting this mysterious forest. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and you discover a number of things about what these ghosts are up to, what they're doing, um, possibly where they came from. But in the forest, along with them, there is this old hag that lives in a shack in the woods. And so the adventuring party, given all these facts, there are woods. These woods are haunted. There are animate ghosts. And there is an old hag who may be familiar with magic who also lives in these woods. Now, the common conclusion you might come to is that the old hag is the one responsible for creating these ghosts or right. in some way you know uh, uh spurring them to animation you know right, to, right, uh, to right. unrest she might be the necromancer exactly um she's just an old woman that lives in the woods yep she literally just exists in the same space that there happens to be a ghost problem yeah she is what we call a red herring yeah okay she is a fact there is an old woman there yep she has nothing to do with the plot Yep. But serves as a distraction yep. um, to get you to kind of confuse the issues so that things aren't as straightforward. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it muddles the waters. It lends an air of mystery. Yep. And typically, what you can also do with red herrings like this is what we call the Kansas City Shuffle. Everybody right. looks left, you go right. Yep. Um, and so, well, while the party is going after the old woman in the woods because she must be raising these ghosts... Yep. The real necromancer is up to shenanigans elsewhere. Yep. And that lends itself for when they figure out, oh, wow, it really actually isn't the old woman. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, that sets them up for that moment where they're like, well, what really is going on? Mm -hmm. And then, wham, you hit them with the plot twist because right. they devoted four game sessions worth of energy to hunting down this, this old woman. Mm -hmm. They are convinced up until the point that they're not. And that's when you hit them with a the plot twist. Yeah. Mo uh, mystery movies do this really well. Yeah. The mystery TV. Uh, uh, Poirot does a great job mm -hmm. of, of pulling red herrings together and, and showing that they're just that, that they're, they're relatively meaningless. Um, so I think that uh, you, if, you, if you're still kind of confused about how you can use red herrings, um, go watch some pulp fiction. Or, you know, not pulp fiction, but pulp... Um, uh, mystery. Mm -hmm. uh, watch Poirot, watch Agatha Christie, and look for red herrings that are in those, uh, because they're really great story elements. They're just facts that are out there, mm -hmm. uh, and that throw you into a little difference. You know, uh, it's the whole thing is just like you know, you know, uh, or, or, or the scenes where like you know the you know she was going to take care of you, and realistically, you don't need to be in a wheelchair. And he stands up. Oh, oh, I actually. Wasn't prepared for that. Why? Because <laughs> I know it's not you. Because I know you can at least stand, but I didn't know you didn't totally need that wheelchair. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I think you have a. Out there, I but... think you need to have a conversation with your wife now. Uh, <laughs> why don't you? Could, she's clear too. I've I've cleared her of the case. You guys go take care of that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Clearly, you have some issues, but none of them are murder. Correct. So. Correct. <laughs> So, uh, so I think that's a, I think that's kind of a neat way of handling those things. All right. So, how do you, how do you employ a red herring? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to employ a red herring. Okay. I think the first way to employ a red herring is how uh, something you discuss, which is um, when gathering information or mm -hmm. being presented. For instance, you know, they're like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe some guards are coming back to the king, and you're supposed to figure out who killed so and so. And they're like, well, this is what we found. There was a, a bag of caltrops, broken glass, uh, some gunpowder residue, um, uh, oily steps underneath the window mm -hmm. uh and uh a, a bloody glove okay uh and it's a woman's glove mm -hmm. oh okay uh-huh okay one of those five things is meaningless yep but every because they were all put together you think they're all important to this exactly when in truth only four of them actually are correct. one of those things the broken glass had nothing to do yeah. with, or, or maybe it was the bloody glove. Who knows? Or know? the oily steps. You but, know? but the, yeah, but, but the storyteller knows that one of those facts is completely erroneous. Right. But what it does is it, it muddles it up so that you can hand them a bill of goods mm -hmm. and makes them think about it and makes them add, uh, do some critical thinking right. of like, well, how, all, how do all these things go together? And then you've got this one erroneous fact that doesn't fit. Right. Like you can't figure out how it goes in there. Maybe it's a red herring. Maybe it's going to lead them astray for a little bit, you know. Yep, yep. But it's going to take a little bit of deductive reasoning instead of just handing them all facts right, all the time. Right, right, right. Um, 
And there are times when you can have situations that present themselves as opportunities, and that's kind of where things go between a red herring and a plot. Um, for instance, if you're using, if your uh, if your villain is using a red herring to be able to create an opportunity, it fits into plot that they're the one presenting the false facts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can you can definitely use them as distractions. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, just just outright to pull them off the course. One hundred percent. And know? a lot of times in uh, in good t- plot twists, mm-hmm. you'll have one of the villains, if not the main character, be the one presenting the facts. Uh huh. And yes, they're telling the truth. One hundred percent. Communism was just a red herring. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> God, I love that. That's a fantastic. Oh, one. I love that. So to kind of shift away but not totally so we have our red herrings Mm -hmm. which are effectively just a a way a ploy a draw to To create the waters and yeah you know it it, creates confusion correct it creates confusion but as a as a storyteller it creates space Mm -hmm. because you don't have to work very hard to have them fall it only there's no plot there there's just a story. It's background. It's detail. And the players will create all of the things you need them to do. They're, they're just going to follow that story. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Timmy fell down the well at the same time as all this other stuff was going on. Well, there must be something important at the bottom of that well. Good luck with that. No, it's, it's just you a well, guys. Four days of digging, yep. using magic spells and all kinds of stuff, and you discover nothing. You discover water. Mm-hmm. There's water in There's that well. There's water in that well. Ooh. Knox in the box says, uh, he's in our live chat right now, says, maybe the guy just likes twirly mustaches doesn't mean he's their villain. <laughs> That's true. That is totally true. That is totally true. I uh, I read the story online about uh, this little girl who, um, when she was playing with her dolls when she was younger, mm-hmm. had this elaborate story for like her entire doll kingdom. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was this one doll that she had named like... Uh, uh, Evel villain or something yeah. like that or something yeah, yeah. and it was it was some like really like you know villain doc sinister or something yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and uh what he was is he was a genuinely good individual oh um, just with terrible name understood that the king needed uh, of the of the doll kingdom needed right, to see right. flawless so, uh, so he took the blame for any of the king's follies and oh. stuff like that and basically allowed him to be painted as this arc villain but really all he was is this really sweet man like, Aww. That's fantastic. Oh, I like that great. kind of stuff. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, um, I did a little research because when I started looking at plot twists, uh-huh. I was looking at a lot of people who were talking about general plot twists, things that go out there both in stories, um, in uh, role-playing games, um, and how, uh, even in digital games, um, how plot twists come about. And there's there's a set that are in there, but the one thing that really wasn't described well are what are the rules before you do a twist. Right. Because right. there are rules. There are things you have to follow to make sure that your players have understanding that this is a twist. They that have that's... understanding. They have agency. Yep. They have the ability to... to and, and, and that it comes across as a surprise. Yeah. And not just and not just a, a dick move, basically. Correct. You know? Correct. So I'm going to kind of go over those. Um, some of these are going to be semantic differences, but they're very important. Sure. Um, one of the first things... As a storyteller, you cannot hide or distort facts that the PCs should be able to discern. If they have the ability to scry, if they have the ability to uh, do investigations, Mm -hmm. if they are, you know, going to the location and looking for things, if they can, you know, maybe the game gives them the ability to object read, you know, or change time. If they can discern it and the fact is there, they can find that fact. Right. That does, that you don't. You don't say that they missed something. You don't get to tell the. You don't get to punish the players for cleverness by lying to them to obfuscate what you want to be a correct a plot twist. And think about that in the form of a TV show. You are seeing all of the plot, mm-hmm. all of the details, the same thing that the character is seeing. Now it's going to give you some extra things that that person doesn't see, but maybe working through their mind. But the whole idea is, is you're getting all of the facts, right? Probably too many. But all of the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, the storyteller cannot lie to the players. Although you can mislead them or let them mislead themselves. But you have to be careful about confirmational bias. Right. Now, this is really where your red herrings, I think, come in. Correct. Okay. You can hand them erroneous facts. Correct. And those are facts. 100%. You're not lying to them. There yep. is an old woman in the, in the woods. Yep. I never said she was a necromancer. Correct. You said that. Right. 
Like, you came up with it three episodes ago and wanted to murder her for being mm-hmm. a necromancer. That was your thing. Mm-hmm. Y- you, you asked me if it was plausible <clears throat> that she could be a necromancer. I didn't answer. Because I can't do that. Because I can't confirm. And what I told where... you is that she had knowledge in magic. Correct. You said it's probably necromancy and went from there. Correct. Yep. Correct. So, be careful about confirming things to your players. Um... Plot twists have to follow logically from combination of facts observed by the players and other facts to which they are they were reasonably not privy to. Okay, maybe they just didn't go to something. Maybe they didn't see, but they could have. Maybe they just didn't get there. But which become clear in the course of revelation of the twist. Right. So... What this basically comes down to, I know there's a lot of words. It's a there. lot of words. It's, <laughs> it's very words. semantic. You got to be careful. What they're what they're basically saying is your plot twist has to be able to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Okay, and even if that's done in hindsight, when the twist happens, your players should be able to look behind them and see all the breadcrumbs that led up to this point mm-hmm. and go, "Oh crap, that makes sense." You know, now that's that explains why. The court jester said what he did at court. Right. That explains why that person is dead, mm-hmm. and that explains why we found that thing at the scene of the crime. Yep. Yep, exactly. Now everything makes sense. One long chain of events. Mm-hmm. This is kind of interesting. Characterization should be consistent within reasonable normality. Now, that's it's a wordy kind of statement. That means that the characters can pretend to be something they aren't. But this shouldn't be detectable unless this should be detectable. there should be a detectable yeah. unless they are consummate actors mm-hmm. outside of a deliberate act of deception by the character. Their personality should be consistent, however complex. Yep. So this is this is where people get in trouble with um, having someone with a psychosis. Mm-hmm. Where they're using that as a twist, mm-hmm. a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde type character, right. where the Doctor Jekyll is present with the players, they're very active with them, they're very forthright, they know there's a problem, and they're going to help them in any way they can, mm-hmm. you know, until they can't, and then suddenly, the twist is is that Doctor Jekyll is Mister Hyde, and Doctor Jekyll knows about Mister Hyde. Wait a second. So why? You know, w- suddenly there's now an inconsistency in character. Yeah, yeah. They have to be consistent all the way through. Mm-hmm. And the players have to be able to recognize that unless they're a consummate actor. Which means if you have a, maybe, maybe the NPC is a bard. Maybe they are a performer. And the players see that they're a performer. Yep. And they know they're an actor. And they can play multiple roles. And suddenly now it's a question on what role they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um... This comes into play often when a villain substitutes a legitimate person. So, for instance, maybe the villain wrote, like, everybody's, the, at the very beginning of the whole campaign, the king has brought forth a number of advisors to them. Sure. Okay. As well as heroes to advise them on a problem that's going on in their community. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got uh, a, 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 a magical item of some note that's being you know unearthed and they're concerned about its you know its safety and and what's going to happen so he brings a bunch of people in and obviously things happen what if one of those advisors isn't who they seem Mm -hmm. you know they came from egypt or whatever but it's actually the villain who's from the south bronx (laughs) you know and he's playing the role of the egyptian is he going to be able to pull that off Mm -hmm. Are the players going to be able to discern that that person is fake at some point in the plot twist, realizing, oh, crap, the one guy who this one guy who we thought was perfectly fine isn't right. Um, right. An example of that, as much as it, it it kind of fits and doesn't at the same time, uh, is Harry Potter's first movie, the first book. OK, yeah, yeah. Uh, Professor Quirrell. Correct. He was playing a dual role, mm-hmm. but the dual role was actually two different people. Yeah. Um. But he doesn't really change. Mm-hmm. The thing that you see about his character is fear, always, first. He's afraid. Um, and as things go on, you finally realize that it's him who's really the one doing all the stuff. But it isn't. It's Voldemort right. who's attached to him. And so in that, it's it's kind of a bad way of presenting this. Mm-hmm. Um, because... 
he is an actor of himself. He's not acting. He's being himself. He's just not telling them he's following the... He's got the Dark Lord right. mounted to the back of his skull. Right, right. You know? So... One way or another, he's being disingenuous about his, about his role in the in the events. Correct. Right. But he is actually playing his role as a professor. Yep. So... All right, so next up. Um, ideally, the plot twist should make the PC's world richer, more detailed, and more substantial. That should always be the case. That should always be the case. Look, if your plot twist is not adding to the story, if it's then, then it really is just a dick move. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. and there, there's it's a, a twist of the knife at that point. Yeah. There's a there's a fine line between there and uh, between something that enhances the story, enhances the the telling of, you know, the, your your villain's persona, or you know, maybe it's not even the villain that that, that executes the plot twist. Maybe it's an ally you didn't know you had, yeah, or something like that. Right. Um, right. Right. You know, but unless it's adding to the story and adding to the overall excitement level for everybody, mm-hmm. then you're probably just being a mean GM. Correct. Correct. Um, so just be careful of the dagger, the yeah. plot dagger. Now, the, the overall effect of that, and this is the reason why I really want to hammer this one home, mm-hmm. is because you're going, storytelling exists on a level of trust between the players and the characters. Mm-hmm. And if, or between the players and the characters, they're, they're always, um, the storyteller and, and the, the players. players. Correct. That's what I was looking for. Um, and so if you defy that trust, mm-hmm. and it only takes once, maybe twice, maybe, maybe twice, twice if you've really got a good good trust built up, before your before your your players start going like, okay, I I don't I don't know what the hell's going on in your plot now, you know, and I'm really not into it, and I don't trust any information you're handing me now, right? Because that one thing was off, right? You know, and and we'll kind of get into some e- simple failures when we get into the plot twists. We'll talk yeah. about really easy good failures because Knox asked, like, can you show me what a complete natural one plot twist failure would be? And we'll, we'll talk about we'll this. We'll get there. there yeah. Believe me, there's plenty of examples. We're building up. Uh, we're almost there. Um, plot twists must not require the PCs to behave in a manner dictated by the GM. That is a hard thing. Because your mind, you're trying to build up to this plot twist, and you're thinking, okay, well, if they go here and do this, and they go here and do this, and they go here and do this, that'll give them this information, and then they're going to believe this. Mm-hmm. They could do none of those things. It's very and true. And it still has to work, meaning everything that is exposed to them has to be exco- exposed regardless of their chances. Yep. yep. That's hard. Now... What a lot of this ends up doing, and we've talked about this before, is, you know, moving the plot behind the scenes. So if you need them to discover a certain fact and they don't go to the place where that fact was planted in your notes, mm-hmm. move it. They don't yeah. know where it was planted in your notes. Ha- have somebody else find it. Have somebody else find it. Have an NPC t- talking about it in a conversation in the next tavern over or whatever you need to do. And this is why I like NPCs who the players know on an intimate basis and mm-hmm. trust. Yeah. They may not trust them implicitly, but they're people who are around them on a regular basis that they can just be like, you can drop information to them. They're the, you know, the, the, the lady who take, you know, who looks after the house. Mm-hmm. They're the maid. They're, they're the news kid who comes by and drops off the paper. They're the barkeep. Yeah. You know, these are people who can drop plot to you, uh, when you need them to, you know? And that's something that's important. <laughs> Random soldier number five, six, seven, three, four runs in with some terrible news. It's true. It's totally true. I mean, it happens, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm more. I think to Rob's point is like it's it's better if it comes from a trusted source. One hundred percent. Yeah. So you know this this is the point where you really do want to flesh out some NPCs and make you know give give the tavern keeper a mm-hmm. a name, a personality, a backstory, so sure. that they keep going back there. Yep. You yep. know. And then you can dispense plot information out from them, and it's 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 good. It's reliable. They'll trust them. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, next up, let's see here. The uh, plot twist must not take away the PC's ability to do something about whatever situation they are in, and should not confine the PC actions to a single subsequent path. Correct. All right. So what we're talking about here is pigeonholing and bottlenecking. Yes. Um, your plot twist does not should should not. Uh, recommend an outcome, essentially, okay? If your big revelation is, you know, so-and-so is the villain, and you're then gearing up for, well, then they have to fight him, what if they turn around and say, actually, dude, we totally understand your your, your reasons for doing this, and we had no idea you were under such duress. Yeah. How can we help you? Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, th- he attacks you! 
well, that's rather out of character for him, considering he's outnumbered 10 to 1. And, right. You know, like, don't force it. Like, mm-hmm. just reveal your plot twist. Sure. Put it out on the table. And just like everything else in storytelling, once it's out of your hands, mm-hmm. once you put it on the table and into the hands of your players... What happens? What happens? That's Let it their play story. Out. Let it play out because it's their story. Yep. Yep. As much as you're the one telling it, it's it's theirs. Yeah. You know, let them dictate it. Let them be the heroes. Let them make those decisions of how they want to handle that information. Right. Nothing sucks worse for a player than having your agency taken away. It is so true. It is so true. Um, But the key to a good plot twist is the surprise factor. The plot twist must not only maintain surprise, but deliver it as a punch at the right time. If you if you do a plot twist right, your players will all be in stun. Gobsmacked is yeah. the word I've used a couple times today. Yeah. Utterly gobsmacked. I, I think your troll uh, episode was kind of got a, a little twisty in there. There's okay. some red hair okay. in it. But when we kind of put things together by the end, we were like, we almost twist. We, we, we did an alternate ending to what you had expected us to do. Okay, how so? <laughs> we that. killed him by using the ghost. Oh. <laughs> we killed well, the murderer using the ghost. Yeah, okay, that was that was but, definitely an outcome I didn't see there. Yeah. Right, but that was something that was allowed to happen. It happened. Sure. There was no stopping The ghost that. wanted revenge. I expected you to, have, to get in a confrontation with the ghost mm-hmm. because I expected you to be upstanding individuals who would in no way condone revenge murder. And then when you guys heard the circumstances of this of this ghost's foul murder and betrayal at the, at the hands of his best friend, because his best friend coveted his wife, mm-hmm. uh, you were like, "Oh yeah, no, that totally tracks." Hold on, we'll take you back to the back to the village, and uh, you can murder him yourself. Yeah, you can you can explain this whole situation because we're not going to do it. Yeah, exactly. We're we ain't standing in your way. Yeah, in fact, we'll convey you there. Exactly. So let's <laughs> go this way. So that, but that's the whole thing is is that plot twists should be allowed to be manage after the fact once yeah. the ball's on the table let the let the players manage that situation mm-hmm. let them walk away or n- deal with it in a different way or or change the direction of the whole plot that's yep. that's all possible you have no idea what's going to happen at that point let it happen yep. whatever it is let it happen deal with the fallout and the cleanup after it you had a you had a pretty interesting plot twist that left me a little gobsmacked last game Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, right at the uh, right at the end. Uh, so our our characters in your game mm-hmm. are um, uh, kind of kind of legendary heroes, but yes. we didn't know this going in. Yes, you guys uh, so are two hundred and fifty years in the future. You've been dead. <laughs> we we were wished there Correct. by an NPC. Correct. Who essentially said we need saviors. Hey, these guys are legendary heroes. Let's grab I will them. Wish for them. Correct. And, and so, so they showed we're up. minding our own business, and mm-hmm. we poof. Yep. Two hundred and fifty years into the future. And so now we're trying to figure out what the heck to do with that. Mm-hmm. However, as we have stumbled into this legendary status, there are other people who are trying to impersonate us. Correct. And soak in on that because there's apparently some prophecy about us as well. Mm-hmm. And so there is another group of adventurers that are kind of lookalikes. M- mimics, are, like if our, you will. Our stunt doubles. Yes, like, they're you know, very much your stunt doubles. <laughs> there are stunt doubles. And uh, we found mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, clinging to the edge of death or clinging to the no. edge of life and uh oh no, no she, she was, was dead. dead she was dead i'm sorry i okay. forgot because we had a conversation with her, correct but that was a speak, speak with, with dead, dead spell yeah. um yeah but uh yeah we uh we we found her murdered heinously mm-hmm. yeah uh, in this canyon that we were going through yeah and uh it was it was a real shocking moment of like oh god i didn't even realize i was attached to that character and now i thought she are. was a throwaway npc that we would never see again and there she is and now suddenly i feel a lot of emotions i did not expect for yep. what i thought was a throwaway npc you know yep. Yep. especially since she is a doppelganger for me so mm-hmm. it was kind of a memento mori moment you know yeah a uh, a, a reminder of my own mortality yeah seeing someone who looks like me dead yeah so so let's get into this a little bit all right there are a lot of different types of plot twists. Mm-hmm. We're going to kind of break down all of them. And again, a lot of these are semantical, semantic differences. Mm-hmm. They're very subtle, but it makes, when, as we explain it, they'll make more sense. Um, the most basic one that people tend to use is an instinctive twist. Okay. And that's the port, the kind where basically you feel like your players are on top of everything and they're moving through the plot at a good speed. And you literally just instinctively throw a monkey wrench in. Mm-hmm. In some way, like you know, oh, the butler did it, and you're like, suddenly your players don't understand. 
It's a twitch reflex, and it's something that we do when we are on rails. When a story is going on rails and you feel that it's all moving down a very standard path, that monkey wrench thing that gets thrown in can be jarring and painful, to say the least. Yeah, it, it can be. I mean, I, I've seen it done well before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially if it's if it's kind of an insignificant, I would say insignificant detail, because then your plot twist doesn't have punch. Correct. You know? But if it's not, if it's not the plot, right, in capital letters with a big right. TM after it, you know, um, if it's not if it's not the plot, it's it's easy enough to like, okay, well. Let's see here. In hindsight, there's no reason it couldn't have been the bartender that they've been talking to for the last three sessions who did the thing. Right. Ah, It's the bartender now. Yeah. Or, like, there was one that I read about where basically the instinctive twist was um, you had adventurers who were working for uh, this lord, minor lord, who's basically like, hey, I need you to go take care of this problem. And they Mm -hmm. go take care of it, and they come back with... You know, what they had, and he's just like, oh, wow, you took care of that problem, great. I also have this. And every time they came back, they would be bringing back their stuff and staying with him. And they had built up a trust with this lord. And basically what the DM did was, oh, so now he's got weapons, armor, riches, artifacts, all sitting in his manor. So he started selling it behind their back. Oh, wow. So they, they never checked their stores for everything. Nobody ever did any kind of analysis on it until one day, like, they're going to go out and they're like, hey, we need some uh, potions. And he he pulls them out and gives them to them and they take off. And they didn't use them that whole time. Mm-hmm. That whole adventure didn't use those potions at all. The GM had marked down that there were three potions of heal and one poison. Mm-hmm. But they all looked the same. Mm-hmm. So they're on their way back. They get to go to the gate and he's just like, the gates are locked. What do you mean the gates are locked? Gates are locked. Can't get in. Um, well, I mean, we made this defensible, so... All right, well, we'll go in through the sewer gate. It's been blown. It's all rubble. There's no way to get in through the sewer gate. Oh, God, he, he must be being attacked. Okay, well, 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 a rogue will scale the wall. So the rogue goes to scale the wall and gets to the top of the wall, and there are guards there in full armor. Some of them, you know, dressed very well, basically attacking Mm -hmm. and they're all like son of a gun like who are all these guys you know blah 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 and so they're trying to fight their way in and basically get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and it they go to use the the potions and discover that the one is a poison and they're like we don't have enough healing he was meaning to kill one of us and then the plot is uncovered yep the players saw it as an instinctive twist Mm -hmm. because it isn't part of the main plot yeah and that's where an instinctive twist can work. The players were working very well. They were plowing through the guy's plot. And he was just like, well, they're plowing through, but, like, this just makes sense. Mm-hmm. This guy's rich. He this wasn't rich a, before. A SOB. All he has to do is send him out on an errand and lock the door behind him. And that's what he did. Yep. So very, oh, very instinctive. God, brilliant. Yeah. It was a really good... Uh, but at the same time, this kind of falls slightly under the next category, which is emergent opportunism. Yep. And this is where if events are moving forward at such a pace mm-hmm. and things are going well for the N- for the NPC, there is, you know, for your villain, there's no question that there might be a second villain waiting. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else who sees this as an opportunity to step forward and do something for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that's where... You have uh, moments like, uh, I'll go back to Harry Potter because it's easy for everybody, uh, Malfoy mm-hmm. has a lot of opportunistic moments yeah. of plot twists that he throws in. Um, and that those kind of things for Harry Potter. Uh, you've got um, a lot of opportunistic uh, situations in the Marvel movies where mm-hmm. you have secondary villains who are taking their moment to do, taking a moment for opportunity. Um, so anytime you've got an air gap, where things are comfortable and or there's a a moment where someone can take their their time and step in and do something mm-hmm. boom there you go yeah so i think that's that's kind of where the emergent and that usually steps into play a lot more often yeah 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 absolutely and that's it's a good twist it's a good thing for players to look at and go hey i've never you know i could do that in my game so if you're if you're wanting to throw a twist in and you need to spice up something within a story, look for someone who has an opportunity. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who is evil. 
Okay. It can just be someone who sees something as an opportunity and steps in. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they could get turned away immediately by the by the PCs, like within a couple steps. But still, that could be two episodes. Yeah. Where they just, whoa, we didn't expect this. You know, why why is this you? And suddenly, you know, boom, we're we're back on. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And and they they may even be a well meaning, you know, individual. Yeah. They may they may mean mean the best, but uh yeah. you know, stepping in and muddling up the plot. Yes. So all right. Uh inverted identities. This is one oh, of my man. favorites. Oh, happens. this is one of this, my favorites. I loved this plot twist. So mm-hmm. th- this list of plot twists anyways. Yep. Uh, what if your villain turns out to be a hero? Oh, geez. Yeah. That, and that fits very well with where the heroes are the villains. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, where they think they're doing the right thing when in fact they are not. Or what if you think the guy who's screwing everything up is like, you know, like I said, that, that well-meaning individual who's taking mm-hmm. the fall for all mm-hmm. the king's, uh, mess ups, or you just utterly misunderstand their intentions yeah. and you see them marauding across the countryside, killing people. But the people they're all killing are actually evil cultists, and what they're doing is, you know, right. divine work or whatever. Correct. Correct. Um, the 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 victim is a hero. Yes. Uh, or the victim is a villain. You know, maybe there's there's a lot of you know factors at play you're not understanding, and yeah, I think you can anytime that you're you're working with identities of victims, mm-hmm. heroes, and villains, play with that idea. Like if you're if you've got a plot and you're thinking this isn't spicy at all it's very straightforward the way that you could look at it is is there a victim in it because usually Mm -hmm. there are victims sure there's a hero and there's a villain that's traditional Mm -hmm. and you can look at that and say okay well who's the victim here okay how are they the victim Mm -hmm. could the could they be the villain and the heroes are going against them and they're being victimized is that possible and if it is boom now you've got a twist that when the players sure. finally run across it, it's going to be like the, oh, God, we did all this. So the, the villain is the victim trope would be the, we tracked you down because we were told you were evil and mm-hmm. saw you were doing these things we perceived as evil. Mm-hmm. And then once we got to you, you told us why you were doing the things. Mm-hmm. And now we feel sorry for you and understand entirely why you did what you did. Yep. And how can we help you? Yeah, it's it's the, the Dark Elves have been attacking this area for the last year Mm -hmm. for the last six months they've increased their attacks we need them taken care of clearly they're the villains because they're the aggressors correct they've been attacking through the villages Mm -hmm. they've you know originally they were attacking the keep directly now they're attacking the villages as well to try and you know to try and harass us you know we've been able to push them back we've got guards everywhere Mm -hmm. you know sometimes they attack the port you know we we need them taken care of and so you go and start assaulting them and come to find out by the end of it that the reason why they're attacking is is because the humans have stolen their ancient relic. You've literally just described the plot of Critical Role. Boom. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So. All right. Fact substitution. Yes. Key fact substitution. Hard. Justifications for per- uh, perception differences. Ramifications of players' perception. Or just mystery to unravel. Yes. Um, it is, It is again, that substitution. Much like a... Uh, a red herring. Yeah. But this is where it is part of plot. Mm-hmm. This is where you have a list of facts. And one of those facts is substituted for something that is more hearsay than fact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Dark Elves have been attacking. The attacks have been increasing. Um, they're stealing our, our our stocks off the ships. Uh, most recently, they attacked a small village mm-hmm. and burned everything. Uh, and... Uh, uh, we're we've lost uh, a, a a commander. Mm-hmm. They they taken they've taken a commander as a hostage. Mm-hmm. The one thing that you don't realize is that the stocks that they've been stealing are crates off of the king's ships. Mm-hmm. They're looking for it. They're right. looking for details. Right. That's what they're actually stealing. But it's a small fact. It's a minor detail mm-hmm. that's hearsay, not complete. Yeah. Uh, the figure from the shadows. This is mm. another one I, I kind of like. Actually, again, this it, is also kind of like a. This is kind of like an opportunity. Yeah, but but usually sits at a higher level. Uh, so this is a third party at the climax who has been orchestrating events to create an opportunity for themselves. They might be playing two other villains, or what are actually to them henchmen. Yeah, you find out your big bad evil guy, your BBEG, is actually a little evil guy. Just and a the henchman. big bad evil guy is. 
right behind him. Right, right. And has been telling him what to do, yeah. Um, 7C does this really well, mm-hmm. where you've got uh, one of the main villain, or uh, villainous characters, I will say. He's not a villain, he's a villainous character, mm-hmm. um, is uh, a prince. And you come to find out, like, most of his machinations happen through others. Mm-hmm. So he's never the bad guy. He's never there. Cat's paws, as they're called. Correct. So, yep. like, so when he steps into a room, he is still the the shining turd there. Everyone would love to get something on him, but he's clean. Yeah. There's not a damn thing he's ever done directly. Yep. You know, except for the fact that he did push his brother down the stairs so that he would become prince and his brother would die. I mean, his brother was standing by the stairs, though, so yeah. who's really at fault there? That's, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, um, lurking opportunities and hidden significance. Now, this is a little different. Uh, work out what's really going on, who's really behind it all, and then find a way to conceal the truth. Uh, best way for this is to find a villain to deliberately emulate another villain's M.O. Mm-hmm. Once you've done so, look at the gap that is left and deliberately choose something to fill them that looks plausible. Then go back through the plan and look for ways to make that plausible item look right and look even more plausible. Yep. This is probably the one of the best ways I, I've found, for yeah. myself at least, to execute plot twists. Yep. Is what is the truth mm-hmm. and then work backwards from there to obfuscate it. Yep. You know, and then... And then when you're done with that, hand the players the obfuscated package. Correct. So, you know? for instance, uh, orcs are invading from the north. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. We yes. know that the orcs are invading from the north. So as we start drifting into that, we can say, okay, well, the orcs are invading from the north, but what does that open as opportunities for someone else? Mm-hmm. Well, that open, opens an opportunity for someone to be attacking somebody else and making it look like it's the orcs mm-hmm. and gaining land and gaining supplies that they need for their own defense. Okay, and what are their motivations? Why would they be taking this opportunity? Why are they willing to pin it on the orcs, etc., etc., etc.? And there you go. And you work your way forward and then you and then you sit down at your table with your neatly packaged plot and you say, "Orcs are attacking from the north." Yep. And your players go, "Those damn orcs." Right. And then the next 10 game sessions are history. <laughs> That's right. And then they eventually get to the point where they're like, wait a second, then all this stacks up to what the orcs have done. We've seen an orc yeah. attack. Like, they usually just come in and raid and pillage and then leave. Orcs don't do this. What's really going on? Hmm, what indeed? Exactly. What indeed. Exactly. Um, they have a second castle down in Florida for the winter. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, That basically. is so true. Um, so the next one. Uh, <laughs> predestined failure. It requires the villain to have made a mistake before the PCs even got involved in the plot. Mm -hmm. At that last moment is shown to make the failure of his plans inevitable or his victory not so great. Right. So this is uh, harder to execute because you really have to have been thinking about it ahead of time. Like maybe the heroes aren't coming into the story at the onset. Maybe they're coming in a ways in and there's already been failures. There's already been things that have have fallen apart that the that the bad guy isn't aware of just yet, you know. Uh, maybe he needs five different relics, and one of the relics that he has isn't the real one; it's fake. He doesn't know it's fake, mm-hmm. and so the players are there. Oh, we got to go get the relics, right? And they they get to near the end, and he's like, "Well, you're going to put the relics together for me." And or, or maybe he's already holding the assembled relic that's supposed to like summon a greater eldritch god from beyond the stars, and he's like, "Now witness the true power of its majesty." Its majesty. Why isn't it working? <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> majesty. <laughs> Oh, crap. Exactly. And that that's the kind of thing that you want to have as a twist is like mm-hmm. the players will eventually figure out that, yeah, it's not going to work because that relic was destroyed 300 years ago. Yeah. Or or maybe it does summon something and it ain't what he expects. Oh, you, know? you mean the uh, you open the vault to find the riches and instead there's a hideous monster inside with 26 tentacles and a giant maw? Oh, uh, that was 27 tentacles. I'm Thank sorry. you. My bad. My uh, bad. <laughs> But I, I, I like that one. That's one of my favorite ones, especially when you have a big bad villain and a climactic moment. Yeah. Is because you're literally waiting for that second. You're like, oh, crap, we're right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, that's not going to work for him. 
All right, we got we got five minutes left. Um, oh, we got a yeah. couple to go through, and we got a couple questions. We got one in the in the live chat, and we've got one uh, from from Discord. Okay, okay. Uh, pointillism is uh, creating a big picture, so that's where you've got a lot of little things that collectively create a larger pattern, but mm-hmm. you're not sure what it is, and in isolation, they're meaningless. Oh yeah, see this one. This one I kind of I, I was I was reading over this list, and I, yeah. I really wanted to address this because um, for anybody who's played the game Riven, okay, yes. secret to the uh, sequel to the old game Mist. I'm okay. only going to give you a minute on this. Go. Okay, so Mist was a was one of the old puzzle games that came out when CD-ROMs became a thing. Oh, yeah. So it's old. Okay. okay. What it was is it was a series of puzzles. Okay. Mm-hmm. You would go to a place. You would solve one, two, three puzzles. You would move on to the next place. It had nothing to do with the previous place. Mm-hmm. Solve one, two, three puzzles. Move on to the next place. Okay. Sure. Its sequel came out. It was called Riven. It was takes place on a series of islands or mm-hmm. five islands. Mm-hmm. And um, so thinking that it was the sequel to this whole game, I treated it like the old game. <laughs> and I went to island number one and I tried to solve the puzzles and I couldn't really solve any of them. Then I went to island number two and I found these puzzles and I couldn't really solve any of them either and I was getting bored and frustrated until I realized it wasn't five islands with separate puzzles from one another. The islands were the one puzzle. Yes. And once I saw all these disparate points all pointing to the exact same solution, suddenly I had this mind-blowing moment and I was like, oh god, I get it now! That's what pointillism is. Yep, there you go. Um, another one, I'm just going to do, by the way, nice job, one minute. Thank you. Um, multi-track planning, this is the hardest one. This is where you have... Multi-track mul- drifting. <laughs> this is this is what people try to do, where they have multiple tracks of the plot running, and then they're all going to come together. Yep. That often doesn't work out. Oh, it really just, doesn't. Just understand because that that's... Because if, if your PCs derail any one of those plots, mm-hmm. then they don't mix. Yeah. And it um, looks weird. Dust in the Wind is the same thing. That's where literally the players are just wandering across the plot mm-hmm. and running across the events. And the dust is what blows those plot areas around. Like, mm-hmm. it might move an object from here to there. Or it might move an individual from one point to another, and that's the twist. Again, it's not as much as a blatant twist, but it's like, a, oh, you're, you ready? Your princess is in a different castle. Yeah, it's, it's, more of a, it's more of a dynamic environment than a plot twist, I think. Yeah, true. Uh, and then finally, more than meets the eye. A yeah. dependable NPC who actually is the plot twist. That person who was the squire that whole time is actually the scion of an ancient god who, Correct. you know... It's, you know, it's Loki. Yeah. This is Loki, and he's just been hanging out with this other dude who, yeah, is an evil guy, but he's not the villain. Mm-hmm. It's Loki who's been doing all this stuff on the side. Yep. So. All right, questions. Woot, let's do, do this. Do we want to get to the Discord question or do we want to get to the live chat one? Let's do the Discord question first. Okay, so Overwatch, uh, one of our Patreon supporters, uh, would like to ask, can you give an example of a well-known show, movie, book, or uh, plot twist that would work well in a tabletop setting, or one that would not? Caution uh, for spoilers. Uh, Gargoyles, the TV show, Okay, had a main villain. Sure. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but, uh, he, uh, he was a fantastic villain. Okay. He just basically was, you know, kind of a power hungry guy. He had people around him mm-hmm. that were obviously villainous kind of henchmen. Sure. His freaking butler was Loki, was literally the fey Loki. Oh. And doing things. Okay. He was just hanging out with him. Oh God. Because he saw potential. Uh-huh. And it opened a whole nother layer of plot there. Huh. So... Anytime you've got situations like that where, and literally he was the one who kind of birthed the gargoyles. Xanatos. Thank you. Thank Mm you. Um, But I liked that where basically the, it was a direct hero villain kind of relationship. Right, right. Where they were dealing with with Xanatos, but at the same time, there was something else. Oh, and we are closing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the the last, the last question is, uh, what would the, uh, the plot twist in Watchmen be? That the truth is not. The truth is never that far. Well, no. What? Which one on our list? Oh, I would say that was maybe the hero is the villain. I think that's it. The hero is the villain. I think. Yeah. 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 Or the dependable. The last one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the dependable NPC who's uh, actually needed for the plot twist. I think yep. that, that fits. So I think we are rolling. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Uh, you can now listen live to us at uh, listen listen to us live and uh, mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And you can find us on Discord. The uh, link is up in our Twitter. It's uh, up on our webpage now. Yep. yep. Uh, our new webpage is uh, storyteller-conclave. 
uh, .blueberry.com. Correct. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members. Knox, thank you so much. And uh, to our other members who may have had to drop off this time, we totally understand. There's a lot of financial stuff going on. Do what is best for you. We will be here. I- exactly. We're, we're going to be here. Don't worry about it. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at greefrog.webly.com on Google Music. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And we'd like to give a big shout-out to our families, Vicky and Sean, uh, to all of our friends who have sat with us at our tables over the years, and to you, each and every one of our listeners, uh, especially in these trying times right now. We love you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.